0: Oh, yeah. Sorry about that. Trains, trains, trains. Those speedy and well-conditioned straight-path rides for miles and miles of travel. Well, uh, I don't know if our listeners know about this, but I used to love trains. I was actually um, in love with rail transport while I was in the UK where everything and anything could be uh, reached by rail. My university in Wales um, had a train station actually just at the very foot of the university uh, gates and uh, from there it could link to the rest of the
1: world. That is really some cool stuff to tell Jonas. Perhaps those that live in countries with highly efficient and effective train systems is just another gimme. But for us Filipinos, we can only wish. I must admit, trains are something I don't really miss riding. But surely we can hope for better days. I can just give the example of some of our neighbors, Singapore and Japan, with those highly elaborate train networks that can leave you dumbfounded if it was your first time to ride them. But the maps are vended and the locals are kind enough to help you in your way.
0: These are definitely what we can hope for. The ease of going to and fro at a very very affordable cost. And now that we are looking into the railway system in the Philippines, there are just a number of things that we need to work on and work on fast to build a system that is at par with at least the neighbors. And by neighbors, meaning our Southeast Asian friends. So how do we achieve this then?
2: This is Sustain a Rumble, the
0: podcast that explores critical issues on sustainable development. Here are your hosts, CK and Jonas.
1: The railway system is the oldest of all transport systems that ever came about in the country's history. It goes back to the late 1800s during the time of the Chan Villas that were at the time present in Metro Manila and other parts of Luzon, as well as some other parts in the southern regions of the country. There was a Manila to Antipolo line of Chan Villas where the railways were already electrified by the time the line extended, and it even stretched to La Loma, Fort McKinley, and Pasig. The Panay Line connected Iloilo City to Rojas City around the same time Cebu Line was also built. And who could forget the Manila and Dagupan Railway Company, now the PNR, which is the oldest functioning railway system with 1,140 kilometers of railway fully operational since 1894. Until the south line route from Tutuban to Legazpi City via Los Baños was reopened further extending the track.
0: This transport wonder was expected to further flourish until the war in the 1940s when left, uh, which left the tranvias completely destroyed, including that of the Cebu Line leaving 446 kilometers of railway network for operations. Multiple lines that also stretched to places like Dagupan, Antipolo, and Cavite were also decommissioned due to low ridership and maintenance issues. Yet in the 1980s, we seemed to be bouncing back well by establishing the first light rail network which we now call LRT-1. That snowballed into the construction and operation of the famous MRT-3 and then there's the LRT-2 within the next 30 years. But we could say that it... Well it's spelled false hopes.
1: Ka ba, Jonas? Well,
0: not really. Because I haven't experienced the early operational years of these trains, but maybe now with all the madness I've gone through when riding the trains, it's safe to say that yeah, it was
1: indeed false hope. Bata, bata. but fair point. Perhaps by now, the light rail transit systems we have could already have longer operational lines bigger and more volume of train cars more on schedule departure and arrival and maybe subway networks as well but evidently that is not the case you know what Jonas being a train guy I think you are the more affected between the two of us it is easy to compare what other countries have been doing well especially when you have ridden lots of them and not just that but also the connectivity of the train stations to bus stops bicycle rentals, and high-quality last-mile transport.
0: Should I say that being affected is an understatement? At this moment, there are a number of issues that add up to the notion of the country's railway systems having poor services.
1: Oh, that is true. I can clearly recall a train station where their escalator broke down and after a year it is still non-operational. There are stations where elevators are narrow as hell and stairways as high as Mount Apo. Can you imagine, Jonas?
0: Silly as it may sound, but I could not agree more. There is just one factor in the challenges that Metro Manila's railways are facing. There is also the challenge in poor maintenance. If you are Man- Manileno, regardless if you take the trains, you can see or hear in the news the frequent stop operation and the commuters are left to no choice but to work. To walk along the tracks. PNR's tracks are also dilapidated to the arrival of the diesel multiple unit trains from Indonesia in 2019, while railway station and track maintenance are not given attention and funding. Although affordable, it was blown over to the point that commuters are multiplying year after year and there is not much investment to improve the infrastructure to further improve safety, reliability,
3: quality, In Metro Manila, uh, we generate um, around 20 million trips per day. Uh, This is based on our 37 roadmap study for our transport infrastructure.
1: That is Timothy John T.J. Batan. He is the Undersecretary for Railways at the Department of Transportation.
3: Out of that 20 million... Around 70% are made uh, through public transport, and 30% are made through uh, private cars. Um, out of that, we are only servicing around 1 to 1.2 million uh, riders per day. This is pre pre uh, before we went into quarantine. So we are looking at uh, modal share. That we call it of around uh, one uh, of around uh, one to two percent of the total trips that are being generated in Metro Manila per day, and uh, so that's one million out of uh, out of uh, twenty million trips, and uh, around five to six percent of the public transport. So that's one million out of fourteen. Now, just to give you an idea of how low that number is. Uh, Model, our modal share in public transport for rail is only around 5 to 7%. In countries like, uh, in cities like Tokyo, for example, the modal share is at 70%. So just, just imagine, 70% of their daily public trips are being done through rail. South Korea would be at 40 to 50%. Hong Kong would also be at 50% together with New York. Uh, Malaysia, uh, KL, for example, would be at 30 to 40%. And um, I guess uh, that demonstrates to you how, again, the catch-up that we have been trying to do in the real sector. So, again, um, uh, demand will always find supply. But the thing is, it's at, it, will, it carries inconvenience. Because at the end of the day, as you would see, people still get from their houses to their work and vice versa but it just takes them so long it's very inconvenient they have to line up they have to wake up very early so they are able to uh, get from point a to point b but at a very inconvenient in in a very inconvenient manner
1: Considering the huge catch-up that we are aiming for, let us not forget that Philippines used to be the railway darling, being one of the first countries to construct and implement a light rail system that weaves in and out of the cities, further driving economic activity.
2: The LRT line, and you know, is the oldest uh, um, train system in the Philippines and also in Southeast Asia.
1: That is Jacqueline Gorospe. She is the head of communications and customer relations at the Light Rail Manila Corporation.
2: Uh, we are actually the first country to have this in, uh, in the region. Um, the, so the construction began in 1981 um, and uh, the whole line became operational in 1985. So that um, was from Baclaran until Monumento in Caloacan City. So at that time, it was only about uh, maybe close to 14 kilometers in length. Um, before, so it was under the government, and then after that, um, a few years after, um, uh, the stations that we have now, uh, Balintawak and Roosevelt, were added in 2008. So actually, that um, we we call that the North Exchange North Extension Project. So that's composed of the Balintawak Roosevelt, and actually the common station. With this reality, um, railways helped in shaping the towns and cities, and um, it it helped fuel the urbanization in many countries. Um, it, 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 they're saying that the railways became essential to creating the modern life we have now. And and at that time, also I guess in in our country in the Philippines. Um, uh, around 1980, so that was the time they saw the need to. Um, it's part of uh, part of the development and infrastructure needed by the country, so that uh, to support the ongoing construction project at that time. So, since people and government then saw the need, uh, the role that uh, railways play in fueling urbanization. So it was they saw the need to. Uh, introduce it as a driving force in, you know bringing us be at par with our neighboring countries in southeast asia so it
1: the criticality of railway systems in the equation of a high quality urban life spells benefits when the plans and execution are thoroughly and methodically done but losses when it is rather sloppy two things are to consider the short-term impact on finances and the long-term impact on the economy
2: Trains uh, transport passengers the fastest compared to other types of public transport. We actually commissioned a study uh, a few years back, and uh, I think 2018, and um, it says there uh, that, uh, for example, there is um, at so the fare of um, 1.5 kil- per kilometers for a 20 kilometer distance. So that's um, that that's for LRT 1 and then buses average around 2.25 per kilometer and uh, you can see that the tra- train fares remain the least expensive among other forms of transport um with with uh with the fare the 30 peso fare for example that's the, the highest fare from end to end um a passenger can get to the endpoint you know from McLaren to Roosevelt uh, in 55 minutes and then uh, T and V's uh, can bring the passenger to about that time, also let's say fifty-five to sixty minutes. But at a higher cost, three hundred, four hundred pesos. And um, maybe the same for taxis. That uh, about that range, two hundred to four hundred, and uh, about the same time, let's say sixty minutes. For buses, uh, forty-five pesos. But um, the travel time is slightly longer so uh, and that study is like 100
3: minutes we have what we call economic benefits and economic costs economic costs that's your denominator that's how much the project will cost converted into economic terms numerator that's how much benefit it will generate when we say benefit we talk about vehicle operating cost savings and we co- we talk about travel time cost savings So let's say, for example, we're investing, we're we're proposing a project. The project costs 100 billion billion pesos, for example. But we know that overall, after running all of our transport modeling algorithms, we know that collectively, on average, it will generate savings for an average commuter of uh, from an hour to 50 minutes travel time. So there's a 10 minutes travel time savings. What is the equivalent value of that in terms of the time of the person? So we have a value. We actually do. We we know how much your time is cost per minute. So we compute for that. We also compute for your vehicle operating cost savings. So that means 10 minutes less of consuming diesel, 10 minutes less of consuming gas, 10 minutes less of oil, 10 minutes less of depreciation. We put all of that together. Actually, those are just the basics. We even compute for how much carbon is offset. So you know that there's a way to price carbon emissions. Uh, We also compute how much health benefits we can generate because we know that if we reduce carbon emissions by a certain amount, we also reduce the incidence of certain uh, carbon or respiratory related illnesses. So we compute for all of this. Uh, Road safety, if we reduce the number of vehicles on the road, we are able to compute how much road safety improvement we can generate. So we put all of that together. It becomes our economic benefit. It goes to the numerator. So Again, the investment cost is at the bottom, is at the denominator. The uh, economic benefits are at the numerator. Then what do we do? We have our threshold similar to you. You had your financial threshold of 15 or 20%. <clears throat> From an economic analysis perspective, our current, we call it the social discount rate, the SDR, our current social discount rate is 10%. So if we can establish that our proposed investment can generate an economic return of at least 10%, then it's a go. So I was explaining to CK earlier that it's a very, uh, it's actually a very robust process, not a lot of people understand uh, how we do it. Uh, And it's not just a Philippine practice, uh, this is like a global, this is how governments, uh, this is how governments compute, this is how governments determine whether to invest money in infrastructure or not. So that's only the economics of it. But of course, this is quantifiable, you have all of these non quantifiable benefits, you have you have travel time, travel time savings. Okay, fine. It's uh, for 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 those who like math. It's uh, it's fun to do. But at the end of the day, what it translates to is families, parents, for example, being able to spend more time with their children. It's difficult to quantify that. Uh, it means that people will have more access to uh, education, for example, because some people they say, for example, they live in a certain part of the country, uh, they can attend a university in Metro Manila, but they cannot afford living in Metro Manila, or they cannot afford commuting every day, or it's just such a hassle for them to go to the university and take a test, uh, get scholarship aid, get, uh, get what have you. So just because they did not have the fortune of being born closer to the school that they would have wanted to go into, they lose that opportunity. So same for education, same for work. Some people may have spectacularly performed in a job, made a better living. It's just that it's too far. So same with social welfare. Some people could have received better health care. Had they been living nearer or not nearer, again, it's not about distance. Had, had a certain hospital been more accessible to them? So these are all the social welfare benefits that you get. Even peace and order, even security is affected by transportation. Because, again, um, if response time of our police is affected by traffic, it would have a certain hit on our public order situation.
2: So it's it's considering the efficiency of the rail system, right? It transports most people in the fastest time. So it's not only in terms of the economic benefits, but also the social benefits. Um, in in LRMCOL, well, our president always says, uh, we are here to bring back, uh, to give people back their time. So the time saved from avoiding traffic translates to more productivity, more economic opportunities. So you think that if, let's say, you have an idea, you can easily pursue it. Or if you want a business, you know, you're easily able to trade because there's faster movement. So it's not only the economic benefits, but there are definitely social advantages uh, of having an efficient and reliable railway system.
1: Staying up to date with game-changing solutions that address economic, social, and environmental issues that face us is something that is difficult to achieve. In most cases,
0: you will find global news when you google sustainable development solutions. If you're looking at a head start in knowing how Filipinos are addressing these challenges, it is difficult to get reliable and fully detailed scoops on the internet.
1: The incredibly special solutions in local communities that are brought by some of the most creative and inventive Filipino minds oftentimes go unnoticed by local and mainstream media. Luckily, we have OffCrowd.com that shines a spotlight on how local entrepreneurs, innovators, leaders, and influencers collectively improve the lives of many.
0: Do check out Offcrowd.com to discover really interesting stories relating to the environment, agriculture, education, energy, and innovation. That is Oscar Foxtrot Foxtrot, Charlie Romeo Oscar Whiskey Delta.com. When you get there, make sure to subscribe to their newsletter.
1: Oh, hey there! It's CK once again. I would like to recognize the entire Philippine Podcast Directory community for being good thought leaders in the subjects that they focus on. The Philippine Podcast Directory is a group of up-and-coming podcasts with various focus categories such as leadership, motivation, lifestyle, hobbies, relationships, technology, sexuality, education, and many more. There are notable podcasts in the community that have been consistently topping Apple Podcasts charts such as Jack Talks Tech, Review, Please Pause with Mike and Ham, Mad in Manila, The Couch Tomato, and Love, Growth, and Freedom. Do check them out on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And you can also find a collated playlist of all the recent episodes from these fantastic shows on Spotify, which is linked in this episode's description. Or you can look it up at the PPD playlist. Before the break, we ran through the economic analysis and building effective railway projects. We've discovered that there is so much in play when implementing a new project or even just improving what is present. And it takes comprehensive planning to achieve the desired results. Yet the big question we always had is, why did we lag behind?
3: I think the one of the biggest challenge in uh, the railway sector is the fact that we are catching up.
1: That's TJ Batan again.
3: Uh, we are catching up on uh, perhaps two to three decades of underinvestment in the sector. Uh, with, uh, just just uh, with what I said earlier, uh, just to expound more on what I said earlier, we build railways to uh, connect uh, people or to get people from point A to point B. But uh, I guess one of the questions there is uh, why do you build a railway instead of building a road, for example? Or why do you build a railway instead of uh, putting down a bus or a jeepney franchise? Well, it's all about uh, supply and demand, it's all about volume. Uh, Again, supply and demand, Um, current transport supply, meaning the number of people that need to get around is already far outstripping our transport demand. And when you have that, you get congestion, you get traffic. And um, if we look deeper, uh, for many people, they just see traffic. They experience traffic. What not a lot of people realize is that this traffic uh, translates into uh, losses to our economy. So some may have heard that uh, our traffic congestion problem is costing our country 3.5 billion pesos in economic losses per day. So that's uh, 1.3 trillion per year. And just imagine if we were not losing that amount of money, just imagine what we can be using that money for. We can be using that money for building schools, building hospitals, giving social welfare, irrigating our farms, So beyond what we see on a day-to-day basis, the traffic, there is that underlying uh, economic cost to the country, which is affecting not just the day-to-day commuters, but affecting the economy as a whole. Now, how do we respond to that shortage in capacity, to that mismatch in supply and demand? We respond with a basket of solutions, as my uh, boss, as uh, the secretary to God, would always describe it. Because uh, why a basket of solutions? You cannot build rail to connect everyone. Uh, well, number one, it's expensive. Uh, rail is actually very expensive. And that's why its cost is only justified when there is sufficient demand, when there's sufficient density, because otherwise... You will end up with uh, spending too much uh, when it is not really needed. So, you ask about the challenges of building a railway network. Uh, really, the challenge is catching up, because ideally, uh, ideally, you build rail ahead of the curve, ahead of the need coming up. So, in our case, unfortunately, the metro has uh, has has grown. So much where it's built up again. Uh, it's very difficult to find uh, find corridors where you can build rails uh, more easily. So because of that, uh, we need to take on approaches that uh,
2: sometimes are more expensive. I think it's a matter of like their own these projects having their own spotlight.
1: It's Jackie again.
2: So as I said earlier, um, the eighties saw the railway being the focus. Then when uh, these projects were finished, then um, there was a shift to other modes of transport. And I think a big factor of it is also because we are an archipelago and um, the government probably saw that there is a need to connect the other islands. Uh, in the Philippines, so there was a need to boost other projects in, uh, for sea and air-related. And um, and uh, well, connecting islands as we are an archipelago and also addressing the supply problem because at that time, um, well, the railway system is only uh, for passengers. Um, I, I think a factor there is to boost uh, the trade and uh, businesses in other parts of the Philippines, Visayas and Mindanao.
1: And of course, a modern-day commuter can never forget those frequent breakdowns which led to walking on the rail tracks or the struggle to board a bus during rush hour when the MRT3 is on stop operation.
3: Well, uh, really two things. Number one, underinvestment in the core asset. And number two is uh, underinvestment or poor maintenance. Because uh, transport is like a car. Uh, I mean, well, number one, if you don't buy the car in the first place, there's nothing to use. And when you already have one and then you don't maintain it properly, then it will break down. So unfortunately, uh, sometimes uh, sometimes uh, we don't take on a long view. Okay? Uh, For example, uh, again, one is uh, the initial investment. If you don't take the long view and anticipate that uh, your transport demand will be outstripping your transport supply by a certain time, then you will not be making the required investment at the time that it's needed to be made. So, I mentioned earlier that one of our challenges in the railway sector, is the fact that we are catching up. We are catching up on two to three decades of underinvestment in our mass transport. So there, uh, yeah, uh, I guess uh, that's the first part of my answer. Uh, we have we have we have our transportation network breaking down. We have our um, assets breaking down. We have too ma- too many cars on the road. Just because we failed to make the necessary investments, we t- we failed to take the long view two or three decades ago to prepare. Because we know that our population is growing. We know that more people are going into Metro Manila. We know that we can only build so many roads and that those roads can only fit so many cars, so many buses, so many Jeeps and road-based vehicles. And we also know that for rail it takes five to ten years to get it done. So if you don't do it five to ten years before it's needed, then you will have what we have now. I mean, it's not five to ten years. We're talking about two to three decades. So this one underinvestment. And the second part of it is really your, during when it's done. I mean, we've underinvested, but we have some. But with the sum that we have, we didn't even take care of it. MRT-3 is the perfect example. Uh, MRT-3, okay. uh, trains are not were not invented last year. They were not invented last decade. The first train was in the 1800s, and we know that trains, in order to keep them running, have to be maintained, have to be overhauled to a certain level. MRT-3 became operational in the year 2000 based on our maintenance manuals they are supposed to be overhauled every eight years that happened in 2008 when the original maintenance provider sumitomo did it so it doesn't take a rocket scientist you just need the simple math to know that the next overhaul is supposed to be done by 2016. so meaning you have to plan for it and make sure that it happens if you don't then you get what we got from mrt3 Uh, They were due for overhaul in 2016, we only started last year, 2019, when we were able to get uh, Sumitomo back into MRT3.
1: With the consideration of underinvestment and underprioritization both on the development and maintenance of the railway networks in the Philippines, what now lies ahead in terms of financing future projects as the Duterte administration has ardently pushed for more vast public infrastructure.
3: Our three biggest partners now are JICA, ADB, and China. Now, uh, this ODA funding strategy, uh, one way to appreciate this system uh, we need money to invest in real um, again we cannot generate that money entirely ourselves. Uh, our taxes now or our taxes in two years, three years or five years may not be sufficient to sufficient to finance the investment required. So what do you do? Uh, similar to someone uh, similar to an individual let's say for example you want you need a car or you want to invest in a house or you want to pay for your child's education, uh, your income for a few months would not be sufficient or for a few years would not be sufficient. So what do you do? You borrow. You borrow money. You buy the car. You buy the house. You send your kids to school. Again, you do that because you know that there's value. There's return. So just to give you an idea on how cheap We are financing uh, these projects for uh, JICA, for example, Uh, our borrowings from JICA come with terms of uh, 0.1%. I don't know if you borrowed money from a bank, but if you borrowed money from a bank, you'd know how low that is. 0.1% per annum with a term of 40 years. And with a grace period of twelve years for the principal, so we always say. I always say we've already finished building the north-south commuter rail. People are already enjoying the subway. We haven't even started paying for the cap for the principal yet. So, uh, just for reference, the government's uh, external borrowing rate is at uh, five, around five percent, if I uh, remember my last figures correctly. So. Uh, that's it. Because it's not enough for you to identify what project to build. Okay. So that's what I was describing earlier. <coughs> I was describing earlier that uh, supply and demand, uh, there's a mismatch. We need to make an investment. So now we know we need to build rail. The next question is, how do we pay for it? So the question of how do we pay for it, we've answered with our official development assistance strategy. Uh, <coughs> one One interesting fact. The Asian Development Bank has committed to us around uh, 6 billion U.S. dollars the, for the North-South Commuter Railway Project, for the NSER, uh, the 147-kilometer uh, project from Clark Airport to Calamba. Just an interesting fact, it is the single largest finance project of the ADB in its history. Uh, it's also the single largest project of the Philippine government, and finally it's moving. So, again, uh, we are catching up. uh, To answer your question, Uh, we definitely underinvested. And uh, hopefully, we continue with the trajectory that we are on because the current pipeline is massive. Uh, To be another interesting factoid, we have the largest pipeline in the region. Um, We are the largest ADB project. We have one of the longest JICA-funded subway projects in the world. We Actually, we would have been the second largest pipeline of JICA had they not been financing the Shinkansen project in India. So The Shinkansen project in India is a little way high there. So we're the second. So uh, we were able to, uh, for China, we are the only country in the Chinese government's history where they are financing three concurrent rail projects at the same time. So we are practically the largest pipeline of three of our development lenders. And I guess it just reflects uh, one of the strategies again. In recent years, there have been plans here and
0: there to improve, extend, and expand the railway system in Metro Manila, then eventually build connecting lines towards neighboring regions. A 23-kilometer elevated railway line with a total of 14 stations from San Jose del Monte, Bulacan, will be connected to MRT-3's North Avenue station, uh, the one that they're constructing right in front of Trinoma. This is going to be MRT-7. Then another nine kilometer line that starts from UP de Liman and ends in Sampaloc, Manila uh, will be constructed, or so we hope, which will then be MRT-9. Those two lines, along with three operational lines, LRT-1, LRT-2, and MRT-3, will converge into what is soon to be the Grand Central Terminal to be built in between SM North and Trinoma.
1: The current networks are also planned to extend lines. PNR North Rail from Tutoban to Dagupan, LRT1 South Extension Project from Tutuban to Niugbacoor, LRT2 East Extension Project from Santolan to Masinang Junction and Dipolo in which the construction is already underway, and the proposed extension of MRT3 from Taft. To of Asia. More
0: exciting projects are slated to be constructed, such as the Metro Manila Subway, which starts from Ugong, Valenzuela to Nayu 3. Two fa- privately funded projects are also planned to be built the Makati City Subway or MKTR from the University of Makati to SM Makati, with stations calling at Guadalupe, Rockwell Center. Makati City Hall, Manila South Cemetery, Makati Central Fire Station, and SM Makati. Then there's the SkyTrain Monorail that links MRT3 Guadalupe to BGC. All these planned developments are with the goal of decongesting current transport networks with more available options and shorten travel time by optimizing transfers from transport to transport.
1: Let us also not forget that all these are not just meant to provide vast ins and outs within the metro, but also make going in and out of the metro convenient and accessible. This allows people who settle in the metro for work to go back to their hometowns and neighboring regions, which decongests Metro Manila and eliminates settlement costs for the commuter while providing a reliable transport option, that will get them to work on time.
2: One, I see that um, the important role that government plays, so there has to be a political will to make these things happen. And it's not only the national government, but also the local government, because um, based on experience in building this community extension project, we deal not only with government agencies, but also the you know, like the province of Cavite and uh, affect uh, cities of Las Piñas and Paranaque. So there's really a lot of coordination and um, it, it certainly needs government support and their belief in in the project. So that's um, a very important factor. Um, at the same time, uh, we need, um, as I said earlier, the integration in the Different modes of transport. So to make it everything seamless. So not just the um, transport system, but also the commercial development. So transit-oriented development, and and these things I believe are you know important ingredients to ensure that um, our investments go to where they should be, right? And you know improving the transportation uh, situation in the country.
3: And I I guess one element of what we're doing is uh, we're also trying to put in the framework to decongest Metro Manila. Because uh, one of the reasons why Metro Manila is too congested is because people are trying to get, okay, people are not really thinking about, if you think about it, people don't think distance. People think about time. Okay. They live in Metro Manila, not necessarily to be near their work, <clears throat> but they live, near, they live in Metro Manila because they want to be able to travel to their work within a certain amount of time. Okay. If we develop a network where people, for example, <clears throat> can live in uh, Bulacan, can live in Pampanga, can live in uh, Calamba, or even Los Baños but still get to their work within one hour, I am pretty sure that people will do that. It's very common in Tokyo, for example. In metropolitan <coughs> Tokyo, people live so much. Fu- I know people who live in Osaka and commute daily to Tokyo. Why? Because they can get between their place of work and their residence within an hour. <coughs> Well, not in Osaka, between Tokyo and Osaka. Uh, So, uh, and I said that because one of our, not one of our, our biggest project, okay? Our biggest project is designed exactly to do that. Uh, And I'm referring to the North-South Commuter Rail. I don't know if you've heard about it, but it's a 147-kilometer line from Clark Airport all the way to Kalamba. So, that's a single line. It has 35 stations. 35 stations, we are passing through 22 local governments. It will have a fleet of 400 train cars. And the idea is exactly that, to make the center of Metro Manila reachable by people as far away as Clark Airport, by people coming from as far away as Calamba, make it reachable in under an hour. So we are hoping that by doing that, we are able to uh, convince more people not to cramp themselves uh, in Metro Manila only, but to really disperse everyone uh, into our neighboring neighboring regions. We're a city with a 12 million nighttime population. And we have what? As of 2016, we had 77 kilometers of operating railways. Actually, Hmm. 77 kilometers uh, route length with... 44 stations and with 192 train cars. That's the asset base that we were left with, or that we arrived at uh, back in 2016. Uh, Right now, uh, the projects that we have uh, investment approved, we have finance, and most of which are already ongoing construction. We're already at 1200 kilometers and uh, the target of my boss is to reach 1900 ongoing by 2022 we're still pushing at that but at least now we are sure we are locked and loaded for 1200 uh that's around uh, in terms of stations it brings us up from 44 to, to 139 in terms of train cars it brings it up from 192 to 1072 so, it's really a massive build-up. Uh, again, the catch-up that we're doing, uh, is not just a catch-up that covers one decade. Uh, some of the projects that we are building have been thought of as, as far as, what, five decades ago. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar, but back in 1973, September, in a 1973 uh, study, uh, assisted by the Japanese also, they have already recommended to us building a subway network. Uh, more than 50 years later, we're just about to start our first subway. Uh, the North-South Commuter Rail, uh, I was mentioning earlier, 147 kilometers from Clark Airport to Calamba, That was first thought of in 1993 mm-hmm. during FPR. Uh, they tried doing it as a PPP back then in 1995. The Japanese tried it in 1999. The Chinese tried it in uh, 2001 to 2011. It's actually the fourth incarnation, or rather the third incarnation, a fourth life, a third incarnation of the project. At this point, Manila ranks below
0: average in providing a public transport network via trams, subway, like rail, or BRT. Manila only has 0.07 kilometers of railway per square kilometer, unlike our colleagues in Singapore with 0.21, Kuala Lumpur with 0.27, Hong Kong with 0.24, and Osaka with 0.62 per square kilometer. The priority in providing a high-quality transport service is not so much about the fancy things or, or speed, nor about the availability of service, passenger capacity that can be accommodated at a given time, timely operation, ease of access for all kinds of people, even with physical challenges, and more vast networks that altogether makes travel time shorter and gives passengers more viable options in traveling. Factoring all these equates to more economic activity, especially when executed along with improvements in road and water transport networks. Yet with a big-picture mindset, one critical improvement enables increase in implementing the next one. The improvement in the private sector in construction, design and operations has proven to expand the capabilities of the government to make sound strategies for development with railways. It is no different. Conglomerates have been behind the railway networks that are currently operating and there will and will be there in the upcoming ones. This public private partnership has been That one explosive weapon we've had that we can go on to end Blossom for all industries. And I hope that with rail transport, we can now say, this train is now approaching in Platform 1 for stations calling at dot dot dot.
1: Moving forward, the bright future of rail system is beyond just cars that go along designated pathways. It is also envisioned to integrate well with other transport modes, To build better coordination with first and last mile trip options and other modes of transport that all together facilitate a smooth and efficient flow of transfers from one's home to another to their destination and back. And it is also enabling adjacent services even beyond just transportation to create that holistic quality experience where needs are fed cohesively. Not to mention the application of technology for the operators to stay ahead of the issues and identify the most dense areas, then of course for the commuters to be able to enjoy an ecosystem of paying different goods and services that includes fares in public transport and access real-time data on transport information. I
2: guess it goes back to the point earlier and we have to go back to that message that public transport is interwoven into the daily lives of people. And um, like in other countries, public transport doesn't only bring people to their destinations, but to um, be able to highlight uh, the underlying value of your network. So you bring people, you market your connections. So not only destinations, but you know, what are the neighborhoods Beside your stations, what are the services found at your station, right? Um, how life convenient your system is. So it's actually one of the things we're doing now. Um, uh, and that is boosting the non-real, um, uh, non-real initiatives. So similar to other countries again, like Taiwan, Japan, who have you know advanced on on this aspect um, that is creating centers um you know ha- marketing or developing the interconnections and um part of boosting these non boost boosting the non read initiatives is creating um making sure that uh there is a good merchant uh you know mix of merchants and uh convenient services they can pay their bills they can um have repairs of their uh i don't know household items or a station that is close to a mall or interconnected to a mall or it's like within a, it's working on the concept that it's a 20 minute from everything that in 20 minutes, you can do anything you want. You can get off the station, walk to this uh, destination, go back and pay your bills, go to your school and everything done within that 20 minute circuit. So that's actually one of the things we are doing. And when you see that, um, uh, any railway system, or like a private operator, is able to achieve that certain level. Then it's not only reliant on uh, fares, on passenger fares, but on the entire ecosystem that's created. And it's a win-win because it's also for the benefit of the, it's for the benefit of the operator, but also for the benefit of uh, commuters businesses and government i guess it's more you know it, it's convenient for everyone so if we are able to see it in that lens that uh we develop our public transport our relay systems in that manner and and right now we have an opportunity with the uh, new projects being built now we have uh the every opportunity to correct i mean or like fix what's been built before or how it was Things were built before. And now there's an opportunity to be more human-centered in the infrastructure design. Um, from the signages, from like maybe even like where the handrails are sorry, where the staircase is located, or um, if it's near the terminal of a bus station, or if it's beside a particular center, etc. So we have all these opportunities now to um, build a better system. We share the vision of um, integrated mobility, and that's where we see um, the future life for public transport, and especially for the system in Metro Manila. Um, you see now we're at actually in the age of infrastructure now with all the railway projects uh, being started and and we see a lot of um, multimodal um, transport uh, with uh, with more people using their bikes as part of the first mile or last mile. So, there is, uh, the ecosystem is growing bigger. And for us, uh, we see a lot of collaboration and integration, so that um, the commuter experience becomes seamless and convenient. Um, maybe it will take some time and a few investments before we get to the point of uh being similar to other countries. Uh, for example, the likes of Japan, Taiwan, we're in, or Hong Kong, we're in. There is um integration from one point to another so let's say they have their single they have their stored value card or uh their afcs and uh which they use to take the bus they get off they take the train and uh they use that same card to uh to pay for food or pay uh for the purchases at the convenience store etc so it there you see, we see, we envision um, society where we're in there is interconnectedness of public transport and public transport being interwoven into the daily lives and especially with railways um, being an uh, efficient and the, the cheapest forms of transport, being able to carry um, more people. So that's how we see the situation evolving in the years to come and how we envision the railway system in Metro Manila. So it's not competing with other modes of transport, but more like integrated and being one with uh, other modes of transport. And of course, these are important ingredients in creating a sustainable society
3: on the
0: next episode of Sustain a Rumble.
1: Building a comprehensive transport system that is inclusive, multimodal, affordable, and convenient is not just limited on roads. In fact, transportation and secondary pathways are oftentimes affordable too, especially if the framework is designed up front and for mass transit. A
0: part of transport decongestion not only means creating opportunities for both people and goods to move freely through traffic, but also enabling more efficient ways where traffic could be shorter and proximity to destination could be closer.
1: If we decongest roads, where else could we move? Through inland waterways, perhaps? Oh yes, by rivers, lakes, and sea. Tune in to sustain a rumble as we explore transportation on waterways next.
0: As always, don't forget to follow the show wherever you're listening right now. Like our socials that which are linked in this episode's description. If you got time, please join our Facebook community page called Sustain a Rumble Community and tell your friends about the show. And if you have initiatives for innovation, sustainability, or civic engagement that we can promote, send us an email at team at gmail.com or drop a message in our socials. See ya!
1: Beep! Beep!